Hello and welcome to Two Shells of Gaming, the podcast dedicated to role-playing games, war games and adventure board games. My name is Tom, I'm your host for this uh, what can be best described as a rambling stream of conscience account of one middle-aged man's gaming collection that probably sums things up rather well. Now first of all I'm kind of inspired to get a podcast in the can as they say because I had a look at my Anchor dashboard. That's the kind of under the hood of my my little Anchor account where I put these podcasts and I saw that I had uh, some lis- some new listeners from, uh, from uh, different locations in, in the world from the US and from Ireland. It would be nice to think that those uh, those listeners listen to the whole podcast, uh, but it's just you know nice that my podcast is being at least noticed or perhaps listened to by uh, by by more people. So you know that kind of made me think. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna keep on with this podcast thing because you know I I haven't got anywhere near the same reach or profile as uh, some of the big boys. But I'm just doing my thing. Still haven't worked up my metadata SEO as the uh, the digital marketing bodies call it, but I thought I'd have a go. Also bit random. I'm a bit nasal today. I've got a cold. It's not the dreaded uh, pandemic COVID, but I've got a bit of a, a cold, so I'm a bit nasal. And another disclaimer is today's podcast will touch upon themes of mortality. Yes, mortality. That sounds a bit weird, and uh, I haven't been diagnosed with anything horrible. It's nothing like that. It's uh, the rather odd subject, or rather it touches on the rather odd subject of, am I ever going to play these games in my lifetime. Now that sounds a bit weird and and it was something that that was at the back of my mind for for a long time to be honest because I I look at some of my games and I got them decades ago you know I I think I I first started collecting my games close to 40 years ago with yeah yeah next year it will be be 40 years ago uh, since I can class myself as being a tabletop gamer. And I was listening to uh, another podcast, Uh, it's called Across the Pond Wargamers or Across the Pond Podcast. Very interesting podcast, very diverse range of subjects, very entertaining. It's hosted by two guys in the States, but they've had a lot of experience of wargaming, or one of them has had a lot of experience at least of wargaming in the UK. And they have guests from the US, Canada, the UK, you know, it's lots of fun conversations about practitioners painting guides there was a great one about the ethics of wargaming which was which was really interesting and a couple of times it was mentioned only briefly but the guests or the hosts were saying you know what there's only so much time I've got on the planet am I ever going to finish these games or word to that effect and I kind of think of the same thing sometimes I I kind of think am I ever going to do anything with these with these figures it's mostly the figures the wargaming figures that kind of um, tickle my mind when it comes to this question because I think my oldest figure dates from the late 1980s and yeah I've gamed with it I've I've painted it I painted it not so great in the early days in fact I'm trying to I'm trying I'm trying to remember what my early my oldest figure was it was either a a grenadier orc or goblin or possibly a games workshop orc or goblin i had to think for orcs and goblins i think it was because the very first time i went into games workshop in 1986 they were they were selling orcs cheap they were selling these things called drastic plastic orcs which were games workshops kind of a beta version or first version of trying to stick uh, trying to market plastic miniatures because up until then it was all metal minis because of the technology the best way to get good detail was metal 
And so I guess they were kind of testing the waters with these drastic plastic orcs, which I, which I painted and I had a lot of fun with. They were good enough for me at the time, but quite possibly compared to today, they would not be so great. But anyway, what was I saying? Like I say, this is a, a rambling stream of conscious podcast. But anyway, those are my old, those are my oldest figures. And I painted them up back in the late eighties, played with them a few times. They went into storage. I got them out again about God, three or four years ago. You know, they were still painted in their not so great paint because back in the day, I didn't undercoat, <gasps> gasp horror. And I was just using Humbrol paints, you know, without any finesse or thinning or washes. So I was just kind of splodging it on. And yeah, they look pretty, they look pretty bad. You know, you, you could even see the, the lead or the metal or, or, or you know, or the material underneath coming through. Or in some cases, the, the paint job was really, really, really thick, you know, looked like I'd done it with a paint roller or something. But you know, back in the day, I didn't care. I was having fun. It was a great little hobby. But anyway, I, uh, I, I stripped these about, yeah, I think it was 2017 or 2018. I stripped them because I had learned via the interwebs that the best way to strip paint off your minis is to use something called Dettol. Now Dettol is a widely available household disinfectant uh, that you can buy in the UK. Um, I'm not sure if it's available elsewhere, but since I was living, since I live in the Netherlands, I couldn't get it here. So <laughs> I remember I went on a holiday to, uh, to Scotland to see my family who live outside of Edinburgh. And I wasn't, I, and I was so excited, not so much about being in the, in the beautiful city of Edinburgh. I was saying, oh yeah, I can go and get Dettol and I can strip my minis which is what I duly did. I bought a load of Dettols from the uh, Fort Kenned Asda outside of Edinburgh, if anyone knows that one. Anyway, I stripped my minis. And when I stripped my minis and I held them, I, and I held them up to the, to the light, you know, with, in, in their stripped form, I should just say, if you ever are going to strip your minis using Dettol, follow these steps. <laughs> Don't learn the hard way like I did. Step one will be get an, get an old clean glass jar, put your minis in, and then fill in enough Dettol so the minis are covered. I, I tend to leave them in at least overnight, but sometimes because of work schedules, busyness at the weekends, they stay in there for a week. And I found they don't degrade plastic or metal in any way, they just take the paint off. So if you, if you leave them in, the, in that glass jar and you forget about them, don't worry. They will be fine. Then you take them out, now, for the next stage, I would recommend using plastic gloves and an old toothbrush and possibly some old clothes and possibly do this outside because the next, the next stage of the process is to scrub off all the, uh, all the loose paint with the paintbrush, uh, sorry, with the toothbrush. Now, in the process of doing that, as you move the toothbrush back and forth, bits of tiny paint will splat off, will, will, will just splatter everywhere. I mean, it's, it's very, very loose. You could probably pick it off with, with a toothpick or, or, or a nail if you were so inclined, but the, the toothbrush does it all, but you will splatter the place very badly. So if you do it outside, at least it's gonna go outside. It's not gonna go all over the kitchen or all over your bedroom or all over your man cave. And because it really stinks, Dettol really, really stinks. You don't want it in the house, you know, you don't want that kind of secondhand paint splatter smelling of Dettol all over the place. You know, it, it, it's a messy, messy process. So do it outside, wear gloves, because if you don't use gloves, your hands will stink and your hands will shrivel. And the other point is uh, don't avoid the temptation to dip your 
toothbrush in some water and kind of use that as some solvent or solution to get off the uh, the loose paint because that kind of turns it into a into a gummy mess which kind of compounds compounds things so to recap put it in Dettol in a glass jar leave it for overnight a couple of days take it out remove the loose paint using your paintbrush make sure you're wearing gloves and some old clothes do it outside and then when you manage to get all the paint off it's quite possible that there'll be some nooks and crannies and crevices where you just can't get in there and it may be that a tiny percentage stays on and there's nothing you can do about it you know no big deal you can try scraping it off with a pin that works but anyway when it's near enough clean i just uh, put it in another jam jar with some detergent solution because otherwise if you go to paint it, it it will stink still and quite possibly that Dettol residue will affect your painting so basically clean it and then then it'll be good to go anyway that that was an impromptu audio description about how to use Dettol to get off uh, to remove your paint from your from your minis I think in the states there's something called green stuff or, or cool green or deep green I'm not sure what it is but it apparently does the same thing but anyway when I stripped those goblins and I held them up, I remember thinking to myself, my God, the last time I saw these without paint on them, I was, I was like 13 or 14. And I had this kind of very powerful time shift within myself. I went, oh my gosh, I'm kind of going back in time here 30 years ago or 30 plus years ago, and I'm going to paint them all over again. And I remember thinking, Okay, if I extrapolate that time forward with some of the with some of the other minis that I haven't got around to either stripping or painting in the first place or even remembering what minis I have, I'm thinking to myself, I'm going to be really 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 old if I ever hope to uh to paint all my minis, you know, because I'm not one of these guys who has a pressing need to paint all my minis here and now. And I know that's kind of a, an issue with wargamers. Well, no, it's just a facet of wargaming, I think. You, you get, you have, you're interested in lots of periods or genres, you know, fantasy, sci-fi, historical, ancients, Second World War, etc. And you, you collect what you want to buy, you collect what you want to get. And that's fair enough. Um, likewise, rules, you'll get rules for all, all different kind of uh, genres and periods. And the, the net effect of that is you end up with loads of stuff that it is impossible to attend to all at the same time. And that inevitably means that some of your, your rules and your miniatures will quite simply be packed away and forgotten about for a very long time. I mean, I'm, I'm looking around my, my, my man cave and I'm looking at, at one, of my sh one of my two shelves where most of my minis painted and unpainted are stored. And I've got, I've got loads of them. I can't see myself painting them all in the next couple of years. I, I jokingly say to myself and my friends that this is my retirement project. And I, and, I, and, I, and I seriously say, look, when I retire, which is, you know, it's still a fair way off yet. You know, I'm, um, I'm not quite at retirement age for, for you know, a while, I, I like to think. I'm going to really attend to these and I, I, I can, you know, stop, you know, I, I, I can paint them with all that abundance of, of free time, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't feel like this ticking clock under me saying, oh my gosh, I, I, I've got to paint these now, otherwise I'll never play with them. No, I, I, I've got a long-term view of things. I've got a really long-term view of things. 
But then again, I'm thinking to myself, is it possible that I'm never, ever, ever going to get around to these things for, you know, for the rest of my time on this mortal coil, as Shakespeare says? And that makes me kind of think to myself, well, why don't I just sell them all? You know, why don't I sell all the stuff that I'm not going to paint in the next couple of years? You know, paint this, this, paint this retirement collection, as, as I'm calling it. And I, and I kind of get myself caught in a bit of a, bit of a feedback loop because I love, I love the process of painting. I find it incredibly relaxing. It's almost zen, you know, it, it just completely takes my mind off any problems in, in the world or the, you know, I might be experiencing. And my entire universe is shrunk down to that, you know, couple of inches of lead or plastic. And I'm just thinking, oh, okay, what should I paint the cloak? How should I paint that aspect of the weapon? And, you know, the that's all I'm thinking about. My, my, my mind is completely focused on this tiny little piece of, of, of lead or plastic and, I do, and you know, one at a time. So I, it has a huge mental health benefit, I think, you know, so, so one of the reasons I, I don't suddenly say, okay, you know what, I'm not going to paint you. So I'm going to get, I'm going to sell you. Cause I know, I know these figures are going to keep giving me pleasure. If that doesn't sound too weird for, for, for years to come, because, you know, I'm going to probably, I know this winter the, the nights are already drawing in and, I, and, I've, and I've done a lot of painting which I'll come to in, in a little while. So I'm quite happy to, to keep my minis in storage because I know, I know I will come back to them. But then again, at the same time, I, th I think to myself, well, when I do come back to that mini there or that little blister pack there, how old am I going to be? <laughs> you know, is, is that going to be a, can I, can I, I'm, I'm sort of time traveling in the future in my head, using my uh, using my lead pile as the DeLorean, shall we say? You know, <laughs> and I've got this kind of Doc Brown whispering my ear, whispering in my ear about the dangers of things, and I'm I'm the Marty McFly of <laughs> this is nuts. I'm the Marty McFly of lead lead mini painting in the future. Wow, where where is this podcast going, guys? I don't know. So let me try and let me try and. Uh, simplify what I'm trying to say. What I'm trying to say is because I have so much unpainted minis and because they've been unpainted in some cases for decades, are they going to remain unpainted for decades? And by the, and by the time we get to the end of these decades in the future, you know, am I, am I going to be here? Am I going to be in a condition to paint them? And that's not really morbid. That's just kind of practical because I'm thinking to myself, could I sell these to somebody and would they, you know, would, would they get more out of it now than I, than I would? Cause you know, like I say, I'm, I'm kind of kicking these down, the, down the line to maybe I'll paint them in a couple of years. Maybe I'll paint them when I, when I'm retired, you know, maybe I live in, maybe I will live in a lovely warm country and I'll sit on the veranda all day painting minis while I look out to, I don't know, my cocoa plantation, which doesn't sound so weird. Well, my, my family's Caribbean. So, Hey, I might retire to the Caribbean, get a cocoa foundation, uh, plantation, who knows? Anyway, I just thought I'd put that weirdness out there. The whole, will I paint these or will I never paint these? Constant gnawing in the back of my head. And like I say, I'm not the only one to have had this thought because I've heard it a few times on the uh, Across the Pond podcast, you know. So, you know, I'm not the only one who thinks about it. Okay. Now that that oddness is out of the way, I'm, I'm going to talk to you about what I have been painting. Now, I was very, very happy with myself about, well, about a week ago. And the reason I was very, very happy with myself is I finally painted my entire two Pendragon armies. 
in 10 millimeter. Yay, woohoo! Round of applause, that's me clapping. And that, that was a big achievement for me because, you know, as I just mentioned, and as we all know, for those of you who do Wargame, your minis can just sit there for years and nothing can happen. And um, I'll just give you a little background as to why I, I bought my 10 millimeter Pendrakens. They were actually a bit of a mistake, which is embarrassing. Now, this is very embarrassing to me to say as someone who claims to be a Wargamer. I was getting into the Dragon Rampant rules uh, a couple of years ago. It was a rule set I'd had for a time, and just like just like with my with my minis, sometimes I buy rules and I and I don't get into them until long after the fact. I think I discussed that with Frostgrave in my last podcast, and uh, it was the same with Dragon Rampant. You know, I bought it, kind of flicked through it, went, "Oh, that's nice," then put it away, and then I got them out again. I thought, "Hey, this is this is a really simple game. This is you know, it's it's very simple." The the author Daniel Mersey made a very nice point of saying this is not Warhammer. He didn't say that specifically but he hinted at it very very strongly he basically said with this rule book you won't be tied into army lists you won't have to upgrade and we know what he means don't we guys <laughs> so i got into it i thought this is great this is really simple you know i, I tried it out with my 28 millimeter minis which was great but i don't have a huge amount of space for 28 millimeter wargaming basically i have to um that's that's the sound of a fire engine like I say, I don't have a professional soundproof studio here, so I just have to go with what's going on in the outside world. And uh, sadly, someone needs a fire engine right now and it's, it's going down the street. Where was I? Okay, yeah, I don't have a lot of space for my 28mm wargaming because the, the board, the wargames board I use, is only two feet by two feet, which is tiny. You know, that's, um, you can't do much with that in 28mm. I do use it for my Frostgrave. It's just big enough for my Frostgrave. And I, you know, if, if I want to set up a little, you know, homebrew scenario for Frostgrave, it's fine. You know, you can get away with it. And I, and I, even, I think even a couple of the scenarios in the, in the supplements say you, you can do on a two by two war games table. So it, it's fine for skirmish 28 millimeter, but it's no good for, you know, large scale 28 millimeter battles. So. I was thinking to myself, okay, what can I, how can I get a big battle going on, the, on this board? Now, one of the candidates for this was a large collection of pike and shot minis I have. Now, I, I obtained a very large selection of these pike and shot minis uh, about in 2016. Yes, 2016. My mum, bless her, she like me, or rather I'm like her, in that I like going, or she likes going to secondhand stores. And she knows the kind of stuff I like. I mean, one time she she knocked on my door and said, "Hey, do you like this?" And it was a it was a copy of a Hero Quest. I was like, "Yeah," which I still have. And uh, to cut a long story short, on an on an irregular basis, she would uh, she would get hold of you know Warhammer minis or or, or, or war gaming figures for me. And in 2016, she got hold of this kind of big bag of 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 figures, and I couldn't see what it was because obviously I was living in the Netherlands. She was in the UK, so she sent me a photo of this big bag, and it was a plastic bag of minis that she got. She took it on, a, on an old phone, so the resolution wasn't so great. And I was like, oh, what? And I was trying to zoom in. I could just about make out like a, a spear or some or, or, or like the, someone's head in chainmail, but, you know, I, I couldn't really see much. So anyway, when I finally visited in 2016, uh, I, I opened the bag and I looked inside, and it was, it was a treasure trove of stuff. It was an absolute treasure trove of stuff. Half of it was 28 millimeter 
Warhammer stuff from the 1990s and they were gorgeous, uh, all unpainted. I had orcs, uh, I'm not sure what kind of orcs they are, they kind of look, um, they're kind of dressed in Mongolian or, or Central European clothing. I, I need to look up who they are, but there were, there were loads of them, maybe 20 or 30. There were loads of goblins, you know, spear goblins, um, bow and arrow, uh, 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 as were the orcs. I think these orcs are called was it wild orcs. I think the orcs are called tribal or wild orcs. I, I don't know. I, I don't know what I'm a fantasy from that period very well. There were lots of um, individual characters. There was a beggar. There was like an apocryphy, you know, all, all Warhammer stuff, you know. Some of them looked really, really old school, you know, maybe maybe going back into the 80s. There were wagons, there were, there were cannon, there were horses, cavalry. Some of the cavalry was plastic, some were metal. Again, all Warhammer. There were some lizard men as well. There were some uh, lizard men, is it Saurus warriors? I Again, I'm not an expert on those guys. So basically there were a load of gorgeous unpainted Warhammer minis. Um, I can talk about them later or on another podcast. And a lot of, and then pretty much the rest of them were 15 millimeter pike and shot. I don't know who the manufacturer was. In fact, I think it's two manufacturers because when I took a closer look, I can see that uh, the, the pikemen look very different when, when, you, when you put them next to each other. So I had a load of pike and shot in 15 millimeter. And you know, I, yeah, I had enough for a big army then. I mean, I, I could see that they would, I'm not sure if they were specifically English Civil War, but I could see that one half were roundheads and the other half were cavalier looking or type minis. So I thought, oh, that's cool. You know, at the time I didn't have any pike and shot uh, rules, but you know, and I, I kind of, it kind of inspired me to maybe look up pike and shot rules down the line. But as well as these Warhammer minis and these pike and shot minis, I should say there were also a little sprinkling of, I think, six millimeter Napoleonics, uh, 15 millimeter modern. You know, like I say, it was a treasure trove of secondhand minis that someone had just said, you know what, I don't want these anymore. I'm, I'm, I'm giving them away. And luckily my mum picked them up, which was great. So anyway, that Combined with the fact that I'm on a, uh, I was on a dragon, um, dragon rampant Facebook page or Facebook fan site, whatever you call it, and there was this guy in the Czech Republic, and he was setting up a uh, a kind of mashup battle, I guess you'd call it. It was pike and shot versus versus goblins, and that made me thinking. I thought, I thought, hey, why don't I do the same thing? Just because they're pike and shot in you know historical minis doesn't mean I I can't use them for something else. So I thought, hey. I'll just copy that guy's idea and I'll, I'll get some uh, I'll get some minis. So I ordered a load of 10 millimeter Pendragon minis, which brings me to the mistake I talked about. So even though I now know that these Pike and Shot were 15 millimeter, at the time I thought they were 10. I didn't quite have my have my um, have things dialed in with understanding my 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 smaller scale. So it, it's a very very embarrassing admission to make. So I thought my Pike and Shot minis were 10 millimeter. So I thought okay. Who's a good 10 millimeter manufacturer? Pendraken, I'll get a load of Pendrakens. So I bought a load of Pendraken undead skeletons and a load of Pendraken lizard king, basically lizard men, all in 10 millimeter. And they came maybe a month before lockdown. I got them out of the bag and I went, ah, these look a bit small. And yeah, they were really small. So that, that, was, my, that was my cruel lesson in uh, how to recognize the difference between 10 millimeter and 15 millimeter. An embarrassing admission to make, but one I, I choose to make nonetheless. Anyway, I said to myself, you know what? I'm gonna paint these anyway. 
I bought them. They look pretty straightforward to paint. And I, and I started painting. I kind of, I painted a few units of the skeletons. They were quite easy because I did it the, I did it the easy way. I just kind of uh, undercoated them in, in Warhammer's Grey Seer. And then I used their skeleton horde contrast paint. So they were painted in no time. They were really, really straightforward to paint. Although in retrospect, I didn't have to buy these contrast paints. I could have just got away with um, uh, undercoating them white and then give, giving them a black wash, which is what I've done on a couple of them. But anyway, you know, neither here nor there. And then for the lizard kin, I did a Gracia undercoat with the, you know what, I can't even pronounce it. Is it the anithmaic blue? I don't have my con I don't have my paints next to me. They're packed away at the moment. Anyway, it was it was a kind of light blue color that looks very good on 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 lizard type creatures. And I painted a few units, and I had a few units painted up. And then I kind of I can and then I got you know I flitted away onto onto another project or some other painting. Yeah, I I went I went I went um I went from that to twenty eight millimeter twenty eight millimeter even uh, frostgrave. You know, I was doing lots of frostgrave stuff because now we, we were well and truly into lockdown and I was just kind of getting out my Frostgrave and doing loads of uh, 28 millimeter Frostgrave. So I forgot my Pendragons. The, the Pendragons became yet another unfinished project. And then fast forward to maybe, I think it was earlier this year, I went, you know, I should really try and do a few more. So I did, I think I finished all the missile troops and then last weekend I finished all the cavalry and they were finally done. And it was, and it was a big moment because you know I, I think there's there's always that sense of accomplishment when you when you finish painting your minis, you know you've actually done something, you've actually done it, you've not kind of um, looked at them, thought they're great, and then put them in a box for five years or ten years, which is what I have done in the past. So I I, I felt really I felt really great that I I I'd, I'd, I'd accomplished that, and I think the last time I did that was um, with some. Uh, Zulu Anglo Zulu war minis. I mean, many, many years ago, I, I I was with the gaming group. I you you might have heard me mention on on previous podcasts, uh, but that 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 group uh, kind of broke up for various reasons. And myself and one of the other, one of the other guys, we said, okay, even though we're not meeting regularly, why don't we set ourselves a project? And at some point in the future, we'll 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 finish this project, and we will we'll 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 meet at the war games table. And that project was collecting and painting a small anglo zulu force i i i decided to paint the zulus and my uh my friend decided to paint the the uh is it the 23rd regiment of foot the uh, the guys who were at rourke's drift i i can't remember my history is fuzzy right now so you know i bought a load of zulus from the house of campaign manufacturer I painted them up and that they were quite fiddly i have to say they were quite fiddly because um they were quite uh, the plastic was quite I don't know if it, yeah, I guess it's called soft plastic. You know, you can kind of bend them back and forth and, you know, yeah, you can, you can bend them back and forth and the shields came separately. So you had to, you had to um, punch out the shield or clip off the shields. And I can't remember if the, um, there is a, there is like a little, I don't know what the correct name is. There is like a little spike in the fist of each Zulu, which engages with a little hole in the shield. So it at least locks into place. You're not just gluing it onto a, on, 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 onto a random part of the Zulu's body and hoping for the best. It does kind of lock into place. And I can't remember if I had to drill out every piece. So it was a really fiddly exercise. And it took it took an extra long time because as I was undercoating them, I kind of ran out of undercoat paints. And at that time in my life, I was full on, um, I was a full on house husband. I was my, my wife had returned to work. I was kind of doing part-time stuff, teaching. 
But most of the time I was looking after my, my daughter, who's now you know a young lady. So I, me- I remember one day my daughter was asleep and it was a bright sunny day and I said, okay, I'm gonna go outside and spray paint these guys. So I, you know, I put them in the spray painting box. They were all secured with blue tack. I sprayed for a while and then, ah, I ran out of spray paint. And you know, I couldn't just go to the shops because we only had one car. We, we didn't need two cars then, we just didn't. So I just had to kind of wait until I had a free day and I could go to my local Wilco, which is where I, where I used to get my, my paints from. And uh, it just took a long time to paint. And I remember when I finally painted them, I took a big picture and showed my friends, look, I finally did them. Well, hey, and sadly that they never saw action because um, maybe a little while, well, before we could get a game together, I, uh, I relocated um, back to the Netherlands. So that just didn't happen. But anyway, they were an achievement, as, as were my Pendragons, which kind of awkwardly segues back to my weird kind of premise about this podcast about, you know, painting stuff. I'm, you know, am I ever going to do these things? As I'm talking to you at this moment, I'm looking at some boxes or they're, they're little, they're, they're, they're tool cases or screw cases. I don't know what you call the, you basically, they're little plastic cases that are compartmentalized and they're designed for people to put their screws in or their tools or whatever but i of course use them for my miniatures and i'm sure lots of people do as well i know a lot of people out there do i'm looking at one which is the smaller one those were figures i initially painted when i first got into frostgrave and they uh, i think I, I painted them in really short order in fact some of those minis come from that treasure trove my mum got me i just mentioned and they were all dutifully based on Sorry, I wrote, not based as in they, they were based on a certain look. They were actually, they were based, the, the stands they, they're based on were all done to uh, replicate a snowy environment. So I, I think I, um, you know, I put them on the slaughter bases or I glued them onto the slaughter bases in, in, cl- in, in places where um, they were on a lead base, a small lead base. Yes, that's how old some of these minis were. Uh, I PVA, put some PVA on them covered that in sand when that dried white undercoat and then I what did I do I think I put I think I think I put space wolves gray and then I dry brushed it white and it's a it was a very good effect very nice snowy frosty effect but as I mentioned in the bedroom battles podcast I soon realized that if I'm gonna I I didn't want to have two parallel sets of 28 millimeter basically one set is for temperate with with green bases and one set is just for frost grave with snowy bases so that little case that i'm looking at now has um temperate and and frosty uh, and, and and frosty uh, bases in fact i'm gonna lean over and get them that's me leaning over i'm opening the little base and i'm seeing some of these now some of these minis i have no idea who sorry for the popping noises again my my wires are hitting my microphone i'll just sling that over my shoulder see oh here hear that that's the minis in the tray now one of the minis i painted it was it was it was actually um it's a grenadier orc now it's not one of the original grenadier orcs i had that i I talked i I mentioned about or, or stripping at least i don't think it is but it was one of the orcs that came with this treasure trove and uh i immediately recognized it as a grenadier orcs it's one of the uh I, I I had I still have my Grenadier Orcs, of course, but I remember in the early days of getting into fantasy wargaming, realizing that Games Workshop was not the only place where you could buy minis. There was a, there was somewhere called Grenadier as well, and I'm not sure how I how I heard about Grenadier, but I got into them big time, and um, I was um, 
I was quite lucky that the, the factory where they made them was not very far away from me. And I remember one day, my mum, bless her, she's really helped my wargaming career. After school, we drove to the factory and we, we I'm not even sure that you, you could, um, you could just kind of turn up as, you know, as off the street trade or whatever they call it. And anyway, we, we, we ended up, we spoke to the manager and he told us that Nick Lund was in, was, was in the building. And I was like, oh my God, Nick Lund. And he was, he was like a war games designer. And I was kind of like starry eyed and I was just nuts for war games. And anyway, we ended up getting a big bag of these goblins and orcs. And I was, I was, I was really chuffed. And uh, anyway, that, that factory is in a place called, is it Babbage? Babbage Road in North Wales which is just over the border as you cross over from England into North Wales. It's a place with lots of industrial estates and light manufacturing. And anyway, that's where Grenadier were based for a while. Well, I, and also, I know they're not a UK company, but that, that's where their, their, their UK manufacturing operations were. So there, there's a little tangent I went off on. So a couple of these miniatures I painted for Frostgrave are from Grenadier. Some of them, I don't know where they come from. I really don't. I think one of them's a Ral Partha. Some of them, yeah. Just, I, I just don't know, I, and I never will know. I never will know. And also in this box, there are some, there are some uh, not not so old, but then again, not so recent. Um, basically, I'm talking about mid '90s high elves from Games Workshop. These I bought in a secondhand store here in The Hague. I, I remember seeing there was some small box of um, Games Workshop paints. Half of them were dried up, but in the box, you know, and it, it was a really tatty box. There were some uh, high elves, and I just bought them for a couple of euros, and I went, oh, "Hey, what the hell." So I painted them. So I've got uh, one, two, three of those high elves with arches, and I've got four of them with you know the, the spears. Uh, who else have I got? I've got I've got some. I've got um guy a, a wizard who I painted up as a kind of elementalist for Frostgrave. But you know this this is my little Frostgrave box. This this was my fraw my fraw core Frostgrave collection. But since then I've realised that you know what I'll use any of my twenty eight millimeters minis for Frostgrave. I'm, I'm not just going to stick to these, which is. As I mentioned in the last podcast, you know that that's one of the great things about Frostgrave. You can you can use anything you you want, really. You know you don't. It's 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 figure ag agnostic. You can do what you want with it. That's the sound of them being put away. Now, oh, this other box contains the Zulus I just mentioned. Now, as well as the Zulus, I um I kind of got a bit. I don't know what the word is. I I, I was looking for a companion for them. That doesn't sound too weird. So one day I went to a very good uh, model shop here in the Hay called the um, it's called the Houtsloads, which I think means the wood cabin, and they sell. They have an amazing collection of uh, minis, paints, you know, rail. They just it's a really good model shop. If you're ever in the Hague, go to the Houtsloads um, model store on Lausdownswijk, I think it is. Anyway, I went there one day and I bought some Hat Industry uh, British Infantry and I painted them up. I could immediately see when I when I got them out of the box that they, they look very, very different to my Zulus. I mean, obviously Zulus are dressed differently, have different weapons, etc. But my Zulus are quite, even though it's the same scale, 172 scale, they're, they look smaller, if that makes sense. I mean, if you kind of do the three foot rule, which I've heard about, you know, you kind of hold it at three feet and squint your eyes, they, they don't look so different from the from the British, but when they're close up, they do. You know, I, I can see past. It's not a big deal, but they do. And the other thing is these, I remember having a lot of trouble painting these um, these British infantry because I used, either I used a very, very poor quality undercoat or I didn't wash residue off the um, the molds, the, the figures. Now I can be quite impulsive at times. 
I can just do stuff. You know, bang, I'll just do it. Hey, I'll do a podcast. So when I spray painted them and then I undercoated and was, you know, quite a ways into painting the first sprue, the paint was kind of coming off. It's like they had some kind of paint leprosy. It just kept coming off in huge flakes. So basically I, I, had, to, uh, I had to strip them. But this was some time ago. This was before I knew about the Dettol trick. I stripped them in, in, in Mr. Muscle. Yes, Mr. Muscle, which I'd, I'd heard about somewhere. And it was, the only, it was the only thing I could get hold of easily. And yeah, it does work, but it's not ideal and it's quite nasty and I wouldn't do it again. But anyway, it, it, I had to restart painting that sprue from scratch. And I, I think now I've done a very good job with them. And the little trick I learned was almost as I'd finished painting them, they kind of looked a little bit too, what's the word? Spick and span. They looked a bit too clean. So I, uh, I gave them all a very thin black wash and they look great. They, it really makes a difference. And I know that's probably very, very basic, but I kind of just discovered that myself, if you can believe it or not, you know. So that's them. And now I'm gonna look, reach over to these pen dragons I was telling you about. That is the sound of the lid opening. Now the Pendrakens, they're very, very tasty molds, I have to say. I mean, I, I, I do like the effect of the skeleton hoard wash paint. You know, I think um, a black wash over a white undercoat would have been just as good, but it works. And I think when I was confronted with the fact that I have hundreds of little minis to paint, I just wanted to do it as quickly and as easily as possible. So I went, okay, undercoat wash done, which is what I did basically. And they came out really well, they came out really well. And there's, uh, the skeletons are not wearing any clothes, which helps. Uh, they're just armed. Some of them don't have any um, shield, some do. I could plow through them quite easy. The ones I did struggle with were the cavalry because the, the horses are undead and so are the riders. So although the easy lazy thing would be to just give them all the same wash over the same undercoat, they they it would look like a, a blob of a, a blob of bones. So instead, what I did was I um, I used Vallejo's uh, skin wash, which is kind of red, but it works. It kind of looks like a the effect of it on the skeletal horses kind of looks like um, dried skin. You know you know those cowboy films whenever you see a. a a dead horse and all the hides kind of stretched over the skeleton it kind of looks like that and these skeletons i did give a white uh, a black wash over white so they look okay they look pretty good and i think what i'm going to do my plan for these guys is i was gonna i was gonna have a little war game with them this weekend i was gonna try and do my um i was i was i was going to adapt bloodbath or orcs drift into a uh, 10 millimeter war game using my pendragon minis and i'm still kind of figuring out how to do that in fact, it's it's been quite an, an active uh, weekend for wargaming because I, I did a few war games with with those Zulus I just mentioned. I'm just going to put them back while I talk. I was using the men who would be kings rules, which are very nice because they have solar rules. I kind of adapted the solar rules a bit, but it, it's a game that solos really well. And I was playing on a very small board, and you know, one seven two is 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 one of the smaller scales. So you know, I, I had a lot of fun. You know, I just rolled some dice, I did some stuff. There were some parts of the solo experience that I, I were kind of clunky. You know, I was um, I, the first game I was rolling dice to randomize where they came, and but that didn't. That sometimes was a bit odd because um, I would I would have like set bits of terrain numbered one to six. Okay, now then if 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 I rolled for for a Zulu unit to appear, I would roll a dice and they would appear at location number four, let's say, 
but what I but I decided that that no one else would appear at location four for the rest of the game. Just I just thought I'd do that. So if I rolled a four again, I had to roll roll again until I got another number. So they appeared at a uh, another terrain piece that hadn't been used yet. So that got a bit cumbersome. So I I started using uh, playing cards to 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 randomise where they appeared, and that that was good. So again. Trying to trying to steer things back to what I was uh, talking about before. Those the Zulu army, the Ang the the British army, the Pendragons, that flurry of painting frost graves, and also back in that kind of in those boxes I was just referring to. There's a, there's a unit or there's an army of uh, high elves that I picked up in a secondhand store here in the Hague. I picked up one of those Warhammer army boxes for two euros, which was an absolute bargain. Unfortunately, it didn't come with the cavalry or the artillery piece, but it came with all the uh, spearmen and uh, archers. That was so I, I painted them up too, and I'll, I'll. But I need to. Do, I need to. I need to work on the bases though. But you know, the, they represent some solid. Okay, that me. That's me saying I'm, I'm going to get stuck and I'm going to paint these guys. Bang, 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 bang. Okay, it's all done. It's cool. It's done. But I can't do that all the time, because quite simply, I've got too many minis. I mean. I'm, I'm looking at all the stripped grenadiers and games workshops um, goblins I have from from back in the the mid to late 80s I need to paint them up again I I, I have that treasure trove of uh, minis my, my mum got me you know I need to paint them I have painted a lot of the 15 millimeter yes now now that I know they're 15 millimeter pike and shot but there's still loads I, I haven't painted you know so that's another project for further down the line I've got I've got some I've got some minis from um, the old talisman game I got hold of them secondhand here in the Netherlands I've got some um, Lord of the Rings minis not not the games workshop game I need to find out actually let me okay let, let, let in let me in real time see who made these who makes these minis this is a uh, myth mithril minis which I, I believe they're an, an Irish company which I'd never heard about until someone was selling them online. Uh, there's a there's a Facebook site, another Facebook site I'm part of. That's uh, it's basically selling secondhand stuff, wargaming stuff, and role playing game stuff here in the Netherlands. So I picked that up. I picked up a load of stuff, you know, like Riders, the the Hobbits, Gandalf, which I will, which I was, which I intend, I, I bought with the intention to use for Frostgrave at some point. And as well as them, I'm, you know what, I'm not even gonna try and, and think about all the stuff I've got because I'll just be kind of, I think my brain will freeze and I'll think, oh my God, I'm never gonna finish these. But I, I am determined to finish them no matter how long it takes. And that <laughs> that's, <laughs> that sounds like a corny line from a, from a film or something, but you know, I will. You know, it, it's part of, part of getting the, the will and the drive to paint a mini for me sometimes come from comes from locking onto a rule set i'll say okay i've got this rule set i can use with these minis i'm going to do that as a project i will i'll do the whole shebang i'll, I'll learn the rules i'll get the minis painted i'll have a battle you know and i'm, I'm solo i'm solo gaming here just because of my circumstances i'm solo gaming and even if it is a bit clunky and cumbersome the way i play you know i'm, I'm rolling dice i'm moving minis i'm i'm I'm, I'm building t terrain or I'm, um, I'm dusting off the terrain, you know, I'm, I'm doing stuff. And so that, that's how I'm kind of thinking things, even if, even if at this stage in the game, things are really, really kind of nebulous, you know, there are just kind of grains of thought floating around in, in Brownian motion, because I think a prime candidate for that rather bizarre 
quasi-scientific description is um, I've got a load of unpainted Warhammer 40k stuff. Warhammer 40k was, even though it's a game I, I I'm not going to say I don't like it, it's not really my first choice. I got into it very heavily when I was playing uh, with, with those with those uh, friends I mentioned. We used to have 40k games, we'd, we'd have a game uh, most weeks, I would play orcs and I would get battered but it was great fun. Uh, so I have a lot of painted orcs, lots of their vehicles, uh, I've got some chaos stuff but not much. But again, I've, found, I've obtained a lot of stuff secondhand. I went to a bring and buy sale several years ago and I got the Battle for McCrag, I think it is, uh, starter set. So I've got loads of Space Marines, Orcs, um, Gyrocopters, is it Gyrocopters? The Orc Gyrocopters. Um, yeah, I've got, I've got loads of unpainted, actually no, they're not unpainted because I got them secondhand and I, with this purchase, I could see what, what had happened. Maybe some young kid had got them. He or she had had a kind of half-hearted attempt at painting them. I, I could see they'd, they'd attempted to just dry brush everything, which worked well in some cases, but didn't work well in others. But basically they'd given up and handed it to their parents to sell it and bring a buy sale, which is when I came along and instinctively went, I'm going to have that, even though I had a huge backlog, backlog of things even then. And I think that that Battle of McCrag is the the one that gives me the most stress. If you know when I think about it, and I say stress because it's not like it's brand new. You know, I don't have all these nice, neat figures to assemble, undercoat, and paint. Because some of them are glued onto the bases, and they're glued on quite awkwardly in some cases, and because they're painted quite, I'm not going to say badly. They're not. They need a lot of they need a lot of work doing on them, you know, in terms of the painting, the basing. Some of them are broken, so I've got to kind of either glue them, or you know, I, I keep um, reassessing what I'm trying to say. I'm, I'm going to have to triage every single miniature in that box to say, okay, I can do stuff with you easy. You, you're going to take a bit of work. You, you're, you're a conversion. You know, some some of them are that battered, and I think that's what gives me gives me a bit of stress when I think about the amount of work I've got to do with these guys, which. Again, slams me back into the premise of this podcast. You know, when am I ever going to? When am I ever going to do that? And I like to think I will do that at some point in the future. It's no, no, it's not going to be tomorrow. It's not going to be this year or next year. It might be sometime down the line. It might be when when I am retired. You know, and I'm and I'm <laughs> I'm wearing glasses, which I probably need to do anyway now. And I'm saying, oh yes, that Warhammer Battle of McCrag set. I, I should really attend to it. You know, and so be it. You know, if I don't do that until I'm 65 or 70, so be it, you know. I think uh, this this wargaming, this tabletop gaming, it, it's a lifelong thing that's been hardwired into me. You know, I just can't, I don't think I can give it up. It's just something I, 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 I love very much. You know, it's not, it's not the only hobby I like, I do other stuff. <coughs> and welcome back. There was a, a pause in proceedings there because um, Basically, my family returned from going to look at the Christmas displays in the local garden centre, so things got very, very noisy. My wife's family from Slovakia are visiting, so the house is a lot fuller, and it's great, you know, but for podcast purposes, it makes it impossible to record because there's all sorts of happy chatter in the background. Anyway, uh, it is now the next day, and two things have happened. One is that I woke up to find there's a chicken in my garden. I don't know where that's come from. And the second is I'm kind of been I've been thinking about what I was talking about yesterday. As I as I think back, you know, it was a seriously m meandering path that occasionally went down a cul-de-sac, then had to back out and reverse to get back on the track, whatever that track is. But I think the point I was trying to make 
was that myself, probably like many other wargamers, we have these two opposing tidal forces within us. And those forces are, I need to paint all my minis. And on the other side, you've got, I should really sell or get rid of some of these minis. And that's the kind of um, thing that pulls me apart a bit sometimes. Now, I'm, I don't fret about it throughout the day. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't sit like um, that, that thinker statue, you know, all hunched up with my, uh, you know, my, my fist against my chin thinking, oh my gosh, what should I do with these, with these minis of mine? You know, it's not some Shakespearean tragedy, but it's something that is very much a foundation, if that's the right word, of my, of my wargaming hobby. I've got so many minis, I'd really like to paint them. But then again, that box of minis there, maybe I should sell them. So I, I'm, I'm flitting back and forth. You know, I, I have managed to sell minis in the past and it's been a very cathartic experience. I sold a load, well, I sold a lot of my HeroQuest boxes, as I mentioned, and you know, some people put HeroQuest on a kind of plinth as, a, as, as a, an example of perfect game design and amazing nostalgia, but I just had too many of them. I was not playing them and I said, okay, I'm selling you. And I even sold a, a HeroQuest copy here in Holland. I picked up a Dutch language HeroQuest from one of the secondhand stores. And I sold it to a guy in, in, in Flanders, in Northern Belgium. So, you know, I, I do sell things, but it just takes a lot of build-up for me to say, okay, I'm selling you. And I think the candidates for my next uh, sale will probably be the Battle of McCrag slash some of my 40K, because as mentioned, there's not really my thing. Although I had a lot of fun playing them, and I do have vague plans to do some skirmish stuff with um, five parsecs from home and possibly Stargrave. I might get hold of Stargrave at some point. You know, I'd, I'd like to sell them. And this and this whole tidal forces thing where, you know, well, b before I get into that, the whole thing about how the wargaming hobby can kind of run away with itself and it can, it can turn into hoarding. And I know I'm not the only one who thinks this because last year I, uh, I wrote a, an article for, I think it was Miniature Wargames magazine. The, um, the editor very kindly let me write write a few pages on on my wargaming experience and, and and a lot of it was about hoarding you know how how wargaming can can just mutate into hoarding and after it was published i got a really great response i got some letters from people who said yeah that's that's basically what what, what i'm experiencing too thanks thanks for putting it down in, in in paper so you know i'm no i know i'm not the only one so hopefully this 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 episode this podcast has kind of cleared the air or, clear, or cleared my mind, or just I've just put things out there. You know, hopefully this podcast has allowed me just to put some things out there and say, I love my minis, but at the same time, I might not feasibly ever paint some of them, so I should really sell them. And on that note, thank you very much for listening. My name is Tom. This has been the Two Shelves of Gaming podcast, and I will speak to you next time.